Get ready for conflicts where movie reviews collide. Welcome back to another supersized edition of the Rec Room for Conflicts, the podcast. Again, our dear, sweet, unnecessary Nick is off adulting. He's not with us today, so it's just me, Lara, slash Lulu, and Dad Joke Rich. Hey, Rich. Hey, Rich. Every time. And as I said last time, everybody's stuck indoors. We're doing a lot of binging. We're doing a lot of watching on streaming services. And we always have to figure out what we're going to watch. So we're giving you suggestions of what we've been watching. So you don't have the same struggle. So we're going to dive back in and we're going to continue with what we've been watching. And I have to tell you guys that I've been watching a lot of TV shows that have long seasons, you know, like long runs, mm -hmm. several seasons. Um, and that I find comforting. And one thing that I have discovered is that Amazon Prime has started doing this new thing. I don't really care about it. My sister had very strong opinions about it, but... They are running shows with ads. Oh. Yeah. Ew. I don't actually pay for Amazon Prime, so I don't care. I still get to watch uh -huh. it, and I'm okay with the ads. If you're okay with the ads, all eight seasons of Murder, She Wrote oh, are really? available <laughs> on Amazon Prime. That's right. Me and Jessica Fletcher have been hanging out in Cabot Cove, Maine, where the murder rate is staggering. Mm -hmm. Staggering. But, oh, my God, going back and watching this, so many people were in this show. Oh, yeah. Little baby versions of so on and so forth. You'll see somebody in the show and you're like, oh my God, it's them. It, and the, the, just the Agatha Christie-esque-ness mm -hmm. of this show. I love this show. And I, even the, even the happy little theme song with her clicking away on her typewriter because that was before regular people had PCs. You had your typewriter that she wrote all her novels on, her little retired school teacher that doesn't even drive. And I love this show so much. And if you're okay with the ads, guys, like go watch Angela Lansbury, which by the way, let me just sidebar here for a second and step up on my soapbox because <laughs> Angela Lansbury, A, is still with us. Absolutely. She's still alive and kicking. And Angela Lansbury is a badass. She's most known as Jessica Fletcher for Murder, She Wrote. I'm sure it's work that she's proud of. She did it for eight seasons. This is not the penultimate of her career. Oh, absolutely This not. woman is award... I don't remember if she won, but I know she's nominated for multiple awards. Like, this woman is someone who has, is so versatile, so talented. She sings... She dances. I don't know if she dances anymore. She's like 97. But she has been in musicals. She's been on Broadway. She's been on the stage. I know for a fact she's won Tonys. Um, and she had a child who was in, was it Charles Manson's cult? She moved her entire family that. to another continent because she had a child in Manson's cult who she pulled out. This woman is a badass. And if you think that she's just some dowdy little school marm from Cabot Cove, Maine, <laughs> do your research, people. No, she's legit. Uh, though I, I, I am I'm going to uh, I'm going to give you a, give you a little bit of slap on the wrist there. She not Tony Award winning? No, it's it's Dame Angela Lansbury. Thank you oh, very much. Of course. Of <laughs> course. Yes, because just she's saying. English. Yep. And she has been the female equivalent of knighted. Which I don't actually know what the word is for that. Uh, she's been damed. She's been damed. Yep. Uh, let's see. It does say here she is recognized as the earliest surviving Academy Award nominee. Yeah. And she's been in things. She started out in her late teens, early 20s in stuff. She's way back in black and white films all the way through. She doesn't do much now. She's even the voice of the grandma in the movie Anastasia, which is also on my list somewhere. Just haven't gotten there yet. 94 years old. She signed with MGM in 1942. Yeah, that woman's a badass and she, deserves she really your respect. She She's legit. Um, and, and I know she's old enough now where she's kind of starting to get a little lost in history, but she's just phenomenal. And times have changed. 
So you don't have, uh, you know, you used to every day you'd turn on like, I don't know, like TBS or WGN and there would be syndicated reruns of Murder, She Wrote on all the time. That's where I saw Murder, She Wrote. I never watched it when it was new. And that's not the world today. You have to go looking for it on a streaming service. So even that show has, uh, you know, gone a little by the wayside. But if you like Agatha Christie, if you like Miss Marple, she wrote Miss Marple or Poirot, or if you just like a good plucky murder mystery that isn't deep and dark and is still kind of fun at the end of the day, watch Murder, She Wrote. All eight seasons of it. You'll love it. It's, it's pretty dark. Um, and by the way, she is officially Dame Commander of the Order of the See, British Empire. that's how big of a badass she is. She's not just a dame, she's a dame commander. I don't even know what that means, but it's impressive. Uh, it really, you, did, you said it right. It's the female equivalent of a knighthood. See? So. And I didn't even go into her philanthropic works because they're there. Oh, it, I mean, yeah, her Wikipedia entry is impressive. Because she's impressive. Yeah, she really is. Not gonna... Stepping down from my soapbox now. Thank you for <laughs> indulging me. <laughs> Would you like to step up on a soapbox? I don't know if I got a uh, soapbox, but <laughs> I got a movie for you. Okay, tell me. I'm going to go back to Mr. Paul Verhoeven one more time okay. for a 1990s Total Recall. Oh my God, the lady with the three boobies. Mm -hmm. the, the original on Netflix, Total Recall. Uh, I mean, this is a great movie in so many ways. This movie scared the bejesus out of me when I saw it the first time. I was terrified. You know, it's based on a story by Philip K. Dick, who is another... Uh, I did not know that mm -hmm. was a Philip K. Dick story. Yep, we can remember for it, you wholesale. Interesting. Um, it, it is, and it's a... I mean, obviously, they uh, they went weird with it, but uh, yeah. I love Philip K. Dick, and I think this is a good, I guess you could say, homage, mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't know if I'd say it's His story, if you're, not if you're not familiar with his work, it's very Twilight Zone-esque. Yeah. They tend to be shorter stories. They're all one-off, but there's always a twist. Mm -hmm. that is sci-fi, fantasy, though. horror, some kind of twist. He needs to be on your list to read, if not. Uh, but this is really just inspired by that work. Uh, it's pretty <laughs> pretty loose. Um, Loosely. But, you know, you got Arnold Schwarzenegger in Arnold Schwarzenegger mm -hmm. Prime. Uh, Sharon Stone. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Did you know that this is actually the role that landed her uh, basic, basic Instinct? instinct. Mm -hmm. I believe that. Yep, they saw her in this, and that's what convinced them to, to cast her in Basic Instinct. Once again, Mr. Michael Ironside. Yes, I forgot he was movie. in this too. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's fantastic. It really is in so many levels. It's also one of those movies with an ambiguous ending where you yeah. don't know at the end um, whether or not it was all a dream, what was real, and they leave it that way on purpose, and they've never said what it is. You just have I to... love movies with ambiguous endings. Most mm -hmm. people hate them. I adore them. I, I've got another little anecdote that you, Laura, Lulu, you yourself, I will, will find interesting. Love. Okay, you, tell me, you, tell have, me. Have you ever seen this movie, by the way? Do you know this one? Total Recall? Yeah, the original yes. one? Okay. Um, so you know the Johnny Cap? The little cab thing with yeah, the yeah, little yeah. automated yes, yes, driver yes. in there, and it's got the little like model uh -huh. thing? So the the voice of that model and the facial model for the Johnny Cab robot was Robert Picardo. Shut up. Nope, that's true, hundred percent. The doctor. Yep, absolutely. That's if you don't understand the reference, he plays the EMH doctor on Star Trek Voyager. He was also featured in Star Trek Deep Space Nine as the same character. He's been around um, a number of times. Uh, He's also a that guy. You've seen yeah. this guy and stuff. He's been in a lot of stuff, and he's a legit actor. Uh, one other thing about this movie that I find really interesting looking back is that this is considered one of the last major Hollywood blockbusters that used uh, large-scale miniature effects as opposed mm -hmm. to CGI. It was all practical. Well, at the same time, it was one of the first major Hollywood blockbusters that used CGI. Oh. The, so the uh, x-ray scene, uh -huh. where they made it look like that's yeah. CGI, and that was very new. But what happened... Uh, that explains the coloration of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, what happened back then is uh, CGI is one of those things that when it came on the scene, it hit hard and fast. It's like digital cameras. Yeah. Very quickly. That because it was changed everything. the game. Yeah. And it happened so fast. It cut so much time and expense out mm -hmm. of what you were doing. So this is kind of the movie in the middle there. This marks kind of the end of the practical effects that uh, being the what standard. What year did this movie come out? Uh, this would have been 1990. 1990. That explains it because the first time I saw it, I was five years old and it scared mm -hmm. the bejesus out of me. I was scared of the lady with three boobs. I was scared of the guy with the arm. That, you know, mm -hmm. he like takes the, the glove off and he's got like <laughs> the extendable arm and the bit with the eyeballs yep. popping out freaked me out. And then I, I, so I didn't watch it again for like the longest time because I was like, that movie scared me. I don't like it. And then I watched it. I was probably like 18 or 19. Huge difference. Let oh, me tell absolutely. you. Huge difference. It's, it's delightful. It's pretty campy, but it is a fun movie to watch. 
uh, that, you know, there was going to be a sequel. Yes, there was. And it fell through. Uh, well, sort of. Uh, it got rewritten and became the movie Minority Report. That I did not mm -hmm. know, but also makes sense because it's in the same vein yep. that Philip K. Dick style and well, mildly ambiguous. It's based on another Philip K. Dick story. Minority Report's a great movie. Uh, it is uh, for so many reasons. I love the, the moral ambiguity of Minority Report, but that's another movie for another time. Go ahead. So that is, that. I mean, that's it. Just go back and watch that movie. Okay. Don't, don't worry with the remake. Um, we won't, we won't mess around with yeah. that. Go back and watch the OG, uh, you know, look at the, look at Arnold back when he was at his best. Uh, when just, he was Arnold. Yep. And, and not the governor. And get your ass to Mars. <laughs> well, you were just talking about ambiguous endings and this one's on HBO. So if you don't have HBO, I know it's on Vudu, um, as well for a couple of bucks to rent. And it's actually a duo of films that are rather obscure. Uh, it is before sunrise and before sunset. And I cannot recommend these enough if you like. So they're a type of movie that if you made me put it in a category, I would classify them as romance. But they are not your typical, you know, romance novel formulaic films. It's uh, it's a duo that. I believe they're a decade apart. And again, I don't have dates and crap like that. I'm not smart like Rich. I'm just me. And uh, and you probably wouldn't even know anybody from them. There's a French lady and... I'll say, I, I, I don't actually know these movies. I... They, I highly recommend them. They're intellectual romance. So it's... The premise of the first is that they're... This duo met previously... As one is American, one is European, he was on a trip through Europe. They meet on a train. They're very young. They have this noble idea that they're, and they have this, you know, sometimes you just meet somebody and you just have that spark and that connection and you just have to dig deeper and you just have to find out how far the spark goes. Oh, I'm pretty aware. Yes. Got one. Hold and on. sometimes it's like instantaneous that it happens and it's them they're on this train and they just instantaneously have this connection well they get off the train and they're going in two different directions and they have this romantic notion let's not exchange information I, I don't want your number I don't want to call you let's one year from today we're going to meet back here one year from today at this train station we're going to meet each other well the film opens several years later Ooh. and they're in Paris and they just happen upon each other and I don't want to give too much away, but they only have until the sunrise. That's why it's called Before Sunrise. Okay. And their story continues to unfold through the night. And facts continue to unfold and spark continues to grow. And then, I believe it was a full decade later, is when you have the film Before Sunset. Their lives have progressed a decade further. And a similar situation, they happen upon each other. Okay. And they only have until the sunset. Hmm. Okay. To unfold what happened in the time since and what's gone on with their lives. And maybe there's some hurt there. Maybe there's some anger there. Maybe there's some laundry that gets aired. And both films have a perfectly ambiguous ending. And they have a fairly ambiguous beginning, if I'm being honest. But I just love... It's like the movie La La Land, where it's... Uh, th this is not at all like the movie La La Land. <laughs> I'm just making a comparison to something that would be considered a romantic movie that I like. I like romantic movies that feel like real life. Real life isn't neat and tidy and doesn't follow the romance novel formula of meet, fall in love, have this one piece of strife. And then at the last moment, somebody makes grand gesture like the end of pretty woman. And then you live happily ever after life's messy. Life's complicated. Things happen. Things get in the way. And these are movies that life was messy and complicated and things got in the way. But if that spark's still there, is that enough? I hate the fairy tale ending in romance. And, and, I say that when I try to be a fairly romantic fellow myself. I think but, you succeed. I know you and your wife. But, uh, you know, I hate that concept because it feels like an ending and that's not what romance is. It's, well, and and the, the, the end of every romance movie should be the beginning. Uh, you know, I, I, you don't know what romance is for me. 
romance was watching my grandfather go spend every day at my grandmother's bedside brushing yes. her hair and doing her makeup because he knew she didn't want to be That's seen. That's real he, love. He would go every morning and this was long after unfortunately Alzheimer's took most of her away from us mm-hmm. and he would never stop doing that. This is my grandfather lying on his deathbed. The nurses come in there and and talking to him and basically being sad because they know that he won't be around much longer and he looked at one of me said no it's okay i lived an amazing life with a woman i loved and lived my dreams and the nurse is leaving the room crying yeah that's romance that's romance and that's a beautiful story and yeah so that's why i love like you say the ones where it's, it can be messy mm-hmm. because romance it, it, and life is messy it, it tends to be and that's where you find that the 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 idea that everything is going to be great is naive oh yes it's how you it's how you do that it's it's what you do when things get messy that define who you are as not only a person but as a relationship so you need to be prepared for that now i'm kind of being harsh on some of these shows because i know they're meant to just be inspiring and uplifting and absolutely there's a place for i love the movie pretty woman i used it as an example Uh, i love that movie there's a place for a fun romantic you know rom-com whatever we're not here crapping on those, but if that's what you're formulating your idea of romance right. off of, you need to start back at yeah. one, honey. It's a fun story, um, but everything comes after that. That's where the relationship is. I so, mean, if you're basing it off Pretty Woman, you should probably ask yourself like, if you want to be a sex worker or not, because if you do, I support you because sex work is work. But also, like, don't feel like you have to. Find another <laughs> way. You know what I mean? Like, Don't do it because you have to, okay? Like, find another way to make ends meet. I went through this whole argument about how Pretty Woman was just a better version of Fifty Shades of Grey. I would agree with that. But... uh, It's a significantly better version. But, yeah. But I digress. (laughs) On that weird note. Anyway, if you're going to watch one, watch them both. Because they're awesome movies. And they're movies that have stuck with me enough that I saw that they were on HBO. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to watch those movies. And there's not a lot of movies that I'm like that about. Highly recommend them. I'll have to give those a shot. I really will. Oh, be very interested to see what you think. Because the first time I saw them, I watched them with someone who hated them and was legitimately angry when the second one ended <laughs> that I had made her watch both. Hmm. Uh, you know, check those out. Maybe we can put those on the docket to review. Well, sometime. there you go. Let us know if you want to see that. Or if you want to see that. It's a podcast. If you want to hear that. Yep. What else you've been watching, buddy? All right. So this next one on my list is a movie that I have every reason to hate. Okay. There are main reasons why this is a terrible, terrible movie, uh, but somehow it's a good movie. That is uh, from uh, 2000, the movie The Patriot. Which one is that? I know that title. This is the Mel Gibson movie, which is one of the reasons it's why you should It's Revolutionary War, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it yes. Is. Heath yes. Ledger? Heath Ledger. Yes. yes. This... I do hate this movie. Uh, do you, uh, they made me watch it in school and I hated it. Oh, really? Okay. So I actually enjoy this movie. Um, you, By the way, you can find it on Hulu. Not only is it Mel Gibson, but uh, like extremely historically inaccurate. Like the the only thing they got well historically. Now that just makes me more mad because he made me watch it in school. No, go ahead. Was, okay, so the costuming is pretty historically accurate. Yeah. Um, some of the characters existed, but as far as historical accuracy goes, this is pretty much failure all the way around. I it, think it was just a Mel Gibson vanity piece. It really was. Uh, but at the end of the day, I thought it was a fun story to watch. Excellent performances by not only Gibson himself, but Heath Ledger was fantastic. Rest um, in peace. Which, you know, we kind of mentioned earlier the, the idea of people breaking out of their um, their kind of niche and trying mm-hmm. to play different roles. That's what this movie was. He was Heath boy Ledger. toy before he that. Was, and he actually almost quit acting because he was always the heartthrob. Because um, of 10 gonna, Things I Hate About You. He was going to go back to Australia. And then he did this movie, and that kind of relaunched his his career. And this is really what kind of proved to everybody that he had the, that he had the chops. So, um, you know, you've got this movie to thank for that. You know, I got Jason Isaacs, Chris Cooper, Donald Logue, Adam Baldwin. Dude, there are way more people in here than I remembered. There, there is, and there is probably one more that you missed that you are personally going to love. I actually, I think I can convince you to rewatch this movie by this next cast member alone. Oh, I have to know. Rene Aubergeonois. <gasps> He is. He is in this movie. I love Renee. Mm-hmm. Renee was Odo on Deep Space Nine. Also, if you've ever seen the movie The Little Mermaid and the song In the Kitchen, he's the chef. He is. Uh, fantastic actor. 
Uh, and he doesn't have a fantastic huge, actor. He doesn't have a huge role in this movie, but he comes up several times. He and is puts in a good the quintessential character actor. Absolutely, you will absolutely know his face when you see it. And he never did anything that wasn't amazing, uh, in is, my opinion. By the way, it's the uh, the Forrest Gump house that they use for the the uh, the ants. Really? Yeah, the the ants' house that they go to. That's the Forrest Gump house. They must have redressed it some. Also, I'm, I'm, I can't pretend it's been recent since I watched this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously been around for a while. It can't. It, it, when did it come out? Early 2000s? In 2000. Exactly. 2000. It is 20 years old. It's also noteworthy because it used over 800 extras. Good many God. The, many of the battle scenes were, were legit. Um, so, you know, it has some has some very, very good stuff in it. I love the... Um, in the movie, they're talking about the, teaching the boys to shoot. It says, aim small, miss small. Mm-hmm. They actually included that in the movie because that's what the instructor who was teaching the actors uh, to get oh. ready for the scenes, that was his advice to them. And they thought, well, that makes so much sense. It seems like something um, something they would say. But I, I, I find this is a good movie, and there is some really good acting in it. Uh, yes, that, that, I will agree with that. So go back and give it a watch. I, I, th- I think it's fun. Just um, if you like history at all, just ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just pretend this is just a, a piece of fiction that has nothing to do with history, and just you'll enjoy it a lot better. You will. Um, speaking of history being erratic, I was talking about how I like long TV shows or you know shows with a long run that's on there and on Hulu right now. All seasons of How I Met Your Mother. And you want to talk about erratic history? (laughs) There's some erratic history for you. Now, this show is not for everybody. Like, if you don't know what How I Met Your Mother is, sorry, where have you been? I know it's been off the air for a few years. If you've never seen it, don't watch the last season. From my heart to yours, just don't. But I love it. It's absurd comedy. And I love the absurdity of it. It's this guy. It, it's called How I Met Your Mother because it's this guy sitting there telling his two kids the story of how he met their mother. And the guy telling the story is the voice of Bob Saget mm-hmm. as the adult or, you know, they're all adults. But as the older version of main guy, Ted Mosby, um, it has it, it's what relit the fire of um, Doogie Howser's career. Why can't I think Neil Patrick, Neil Harris, Patrick Harris, she's Louise Brainfart, who now arguably is the biggest star from that show and um i mean allison hannigan it was such a yeah, vehicle for her from buffy jason uh oh what's his last name from uh freaks and geeks mm-hmm. and uh forgetting sarah marshall and so on and so forth and he, he does the muppets now yeah he took over kind of the Muppet thing. He, that he, uh, in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, there's a whole plot thing about puppets, and that's all, like, based on him. Yeah. Like Apparently, it's a real passion of his. Yeah. He, like, started out wanting to be a writer, like, wanting to do, like, these crazy, like, puppet-based things. It's very interesting. But the show How I Met Your Mother is, you know, it, the whole show is a fish tale, basically. It you is. know, it's not retelling fact. It's retelling how you want it to be, how you remember it. And guess what? How you remember it isn't always how it happened. Well, and that's the thing. It, to me, it's not, I mean, I, I would argue that it's not less about that it didn't happen that way and more just over time as we retell the stories, we exaggerate things yeah. and you turn it into a little bit better of a story. So here's what's funny about this show because I love the show and I'll blow your mind and say that I even enjoyed the last season. I'm one of those few people who actually enjoyed the ending. Um, I knew. Uh, we, just didn't like it was like the band-aid ripped off too fast but go ahead uh, you know i get that a little bit i didn't want it to be over either but i i liked how the, how they did it um but this is a controversial show for me because normally my wife and i are fairly close to the same page mm-hmm. we don't always like the same things but we're usually not far off yeah she hated this show what yes hated this show. and it's all based around the idea of the storytelling because she could never get into this idea that it's exaggerated that took something away from her to the point where oh, she couldn't, she couldn't stand it. I can see that, though. Um, but, yeah, because she is just, I, I don't want to say she's more literal than I am, but she really doesn't like that exaggerated style. She wants it to be told Well, straight. and especially in comedy, if you don't enjoy that style, you're not going to find any of it funny. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. So it fell flat for her. Whereas for me, I loved it because I picture myself and my friends, this is how we tell stories. The yeah. storytelling is always a little better than the actual event. Of course. You got to play it up. Yeah, you kind of, you know, especially these years later, which this is, you know, that's the premise. He's telling his, his children. His who, children are teenagers. Who so are almost grown. And 
but the storytelling in this, the callbacks, the way they tie everything together yes. over the course of eight seasons, it's flawless. It really is. They wrap it all together to the point where they shot that final scene back when they started yes, the show. Yes, they knew from the jump how this was going to, well, the creator knew mm-hmm. from the jump how this was going to end. And I think it's just absolutely fantastic. Wonderful acting, wonderful stories, just the way they, they put it all together there. Uh, we can link this back to Showgirls, by the way, because it does have Kyle McLaughlin in it. It does. He plays the well, captain. And it's, it's old enough now because it went off the air. I don't remember what year it went off the air, but it's been been several years almost i mean the show itself is over a decade old i think it started in 05 and so there are several people as you go back and watch it that you will recognize as they were up and comers Mm -hmm. who were a guest star in one episode and there were major guest stars britney spears is in an episode Mm -hmm. there are tons of people she was uh wasn't she a stripper uh she was a dental assistant oh that's right she was the dental assistant that's right no the stripper was somebody uh, do- else that was allison hannigan because she was their doppelganger yes with the dark wig yes, on. they yes. all played each other's doppelganger or their mm-hmm. own doppelgangers that's right i was thinking the wrong one you're yeah. right she was the uh there's uh, see there's so many it's hard to remember them all but they, well and kobe smolder from uh the mcu who plays agent maria hill is robin from this show yeah. She may or may not be one of my celebrity crushes. Uh, she may or may not be <laughs> one of mine. Uh, that wall, gosh, she's smoking hot though, right? Uh, which, by the way, interestingly enough, the uh, you know the whole idea that she was this teenage uh, pop star. Yeah, uh, Robin Sparkles. That that's let's just a, go to the mall today. That it, it's a fan. <laughs> you go back and watch this. We, we're going to go on forever. If, it's if a great show. It's hilarious. Even my brother-in-law loves this show. He recently rewatched it too. He's the reason I rewatched it because he was like, "Dude, I just rewatched How I Met Your Mother, and it's still funny." And I was like, "I don't know if it's still funny. It is. Watch it. It's on Hulu. You really should. Thank me later. Go back. All right. What else you got, pal? All right. So I've got an interesting one because normally when we have things that have been rebooted or redone, I go back to the original. Usually, I'm the guy that likes the original yeah, better than uh-huh. the reboot. This next one, however, and it's probably going to be controversial in some circles. You liked the remake better than but that? I like the remake better than the original, although I do like the original in this one. Uh, but this is from 2010, the movie True Grit. Oh, I'm going to have to fight you on that one. I love the original. I, I, know, I love the original. Here's the thing. I have nothing bad to say about the original. I really do. I can't bash it in any way. It really was fantastic. I just think that the remake actually hit a higher mark. Um and you, I think I have a little bit of rose-colored glasses on for the OG because I maybe. love John Wayne movies. I, and I do too. I, you know, I, my dad loved watching John Wayne movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I got to watch a, a lot of them. And I liked the John Wayne movies with a fiery female. Like McClinic is mm-hmm. one of my favorite because it's got the fiery female lead as well. This one did. This one did. Um, I, you know, I got to admit though, uh, Haley Steinfeld, man, she was. She killer did. She brought role. it. Um, you know, which uh, she's still out there acting. She's still doing a great job. Yeah. She's, uh, what amazes me is that, um, um, you know, what was the pitch? She was in the Pitch, per- pitch Perfect movies, and mm-hmm. I forget how old this movie already is. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see, and I'm like, oh, that's the little girl. Um, she's, mm, she's not, not no more. Not anymore. I guess that's what happens in 10 years. But she was amazing. Jeff Bridges, just so fantastic. I cannot tell you how much I love Jeff Bridges. So good. Matt Damon, I thought, did a killer part, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, kind of not a typical role for him. Uh, Barry Pepper, Donald Gleason. Yeah, these they, they were all fantastic in this movie. But I actually I think I like the remake better, and I know that's going to be controversial to some degree. But I, at the same time, I would totally go back and watch the OG again as well. It, it it's also fantastic. If you're gonna watch the Jeff Bridges version, you owe it to yourself to see the John Wayne version. You do. Uh, here is one funny thing about the remake, though. Did you know that this is the most nominated movie that never won an Oscar? It didn't win any, nope. like not even like sound editing nope. or costume design or didn't. some like obscure one. Nominated for ten, lost all of them. Oh, that's so that's so tragic. <laughs> it really is because I mean it deserves it. It's just so good on so many levels. But yep, didn't win a thing. Didn't win a thing. <laughs> that's so sad. It it really is. But I I love this movie, and to me, it's a great western. So it is a great western. It's available on Hulu. I don't know where the original is available. I'd have to go back and look that up. I would get, if I were to hazard a guess, I would say you can probably only find the original on Voodoo for rent or purchase. Most John Wayne classics are not streaming anywhere. Movies that old, they tend not to stream. It might be on Prime if it's anywhere, because Prime has a lot of obscure vintage things. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't know that for sure. That's just me BSing. Um, speaking of vintage things that are not obscure in any way, um, on Netflix, I'm going to say this now and I'm going to say it as fact. There are only three, not four, only three. You got me? Not four, only three. All three of the Indiana Jones films are What are you talking about? On There's Netflix. always only been three. Only three. Did you know that if you buy the box set, they will give you the three movies and this lovely little coaster, coaster? to put your drink on? Yeah, it's really That's cool. That's so cool. Yeah, it's got some artwork on it. It's kind of neat. Yeah. The three are on Netflix. And there's never a time that it's not good time to rewatch the Indiana Jones trilogy. And it's really interesting to rewatch them as an adult. I mean, it's not like I haven't rewatched them. I rewatch them every couple of years because, hi. But as you age, the ones you like best change. Because when you're a kid, you always like Temple of Doom best because monkey brains. And then when you're older, you like the last one best because his dad's there and there's like family and you see like little young Indiana Jones, little River Phoenix, rest in peace. And then as an adult, it all changes. And you're like, the first one really is the best one. Yeah, I don't know. if I, It's hard for me to pick a best one out of those. They're, they're just so good, even though, well, interestingly enough, they're three different movies in many ways. Yeah, very different. And and the thing that I love about them the most is we were talking, uh, you know, in our last episode about, like, campy movies. These are campy B movies. Like, mm -hmm. if you watch them, these are such B movies, but they're done so well that you're just like, give me more camp. Give me more. Mm -hmm. I want more. Because in many ways, I probably would almost pick Temple of Doom out of those three is my favorite. Interesting enough, chronologically, it is before. It is. Sorry. But uh, I'm, I'm going to throw you a, a fun one here. And along that same vein, go back and watch the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. That ties into the first one. River Phoenix was in the last mm -hmm. film because he played the Young Indiana Jones, uh, which I've never seen. Those. That is, that's not true. He did. Well, not. he was going to play. He the was young going Indiana to. Jones. But then, yeah. And then, then the Viper Room happened. And so, yeah. So, um he did, but it's a fantastic show. Young Indiana Jones it ties in so well, and the acting there is just is just great. So go back and watch the the TV show. It's also available on where is it available? It's on Netflix. Yes, you can watch Young Indiana Jones. Interesting, because see, I never got to see that show because I lived on the wrong continent mm -hmm. when it was on. So I've never seen it. It was only I think two seasons. Uh, I believe that's right, and they actually kind of renamed it at some point. I always say the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles because that's how they originally built it, but they changed it into the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones for whatever reason. Interesting. But I, I thought it was great. I loved that that TV show version. And in my humble opinion of John Williams' work, my favorite score. Ooh, that would be tough for me as well. All I'll say is, like, how do you pick John It's all amazing. It's all epic. So it'd be so hard to... And I, I, I do say that, like... As in, separate from a film. Do not come at me, Star Wars lovers. I know. But if you're listening to it separate from the film, I prefer the Indiana Jones. Don't at me, okay? Well, the problem with Star Wars is that it's so iconically Star Wars. Yeah. You can't, you can't not, enjoy it as just music. Right. You can't think anything other than Star Wars. Now, it, like, wrong, like the Imperial March comes in and you're like, ooh, this is where Vader's doing the thing. You know? I mean, if you get the opportunity, because um, I know like our symphony here has done it before where they'll do like a mm -hmm. John Williams night and they, they go play the, yep. uh, the many different songs. It's fantastic. You should go. First of all, you should support your local orchestras and symphonies yes, absolutely. as well. Um, but that's a good uh, way to get back into it. So there's so much good stuff there, but I, I, you know, Duel of Fates for me, I can listen to just Duel of Fates. Yeah. Um, but John Williams so much. I mean, where do you even um, begin? John Williams is magic. All right. So as everybody's running off to rewatch Indiana Jones, what else should they run off to rewatch? All right. This is another movie that everybody knows and everybody loves, but you probably all forgot to look it up and see if you can stream it. And that is the epic movie from 1992, My Cousin Vinny. Okay, full confession, I've never seen my cousin Vinny and I I, I Really I'm in love with Marissa Tomei. She, well this in I love mean, with Marissa Tomei this, and I've never seen it. This launched the movie. She won an Oscar. So, I, so here's a, a funny little anecdote. I always call her Melissa Tomei because because <laughs> my daughter's name is Marissa. And I always thought that Marissa Tomei was really easy to look at. And then I had a daughter named Marissa. And it freaked and, you out. And it became really weird. So I always refer to her to this day as Melissa Tomei. Yeah, um, in love with Marissa Tomei. It's fantastic. But this is an early movie for her. This is what yeah. really launched 
uh, her career. Um, and Joe Pesci is amazing at this movie. I love Joe Just, Pesci. Uh, he actually won the Oscar for Goodfellas while they were filming this movie and brought the Oscar. <laughs> Um, to the and maybe he gave her the good luck to win hers. There, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ralph Macchio. I mean, Bruce. This is one of his last like yep. big roles. Ralph Macchio. Yep. Lane Smith. I mean, this is just just absolutely fantastic. And the late great Fred Gwynn. Aw, rest in peace. Yep. Just. I mean, yeah, this was actually his final feature film. Really? Yeah. It, it, and he's just so fantastic. Every, everything about this movie is amazing. Every little piece of acting, every detail. This. this it's fantastic. It's just so, so good. The, another funny little thing about this movie um, is that it is super accurate from a legal standpoint to the point where they will use That's this, fascinating. They will use this movie... Uh, like to, as legal precedents? No, no, to, to teach. Oh. Because well, although it's done kind of humorously at times, but everything in this movie is legitimate legal strategy. What is this streaming on? I have to watch this. You can watch this on Hulu. Interesting. I shall do that at yeah. some point. Uh, it really is. Uh, and, you know, Marissa Tomei, obviously uh, fantastic in this. Won herself uh, a number of awards. So, yeah, definitely give it a shot. Uh, well, here's a funny... I'll, I'll give you one other... I, I found this funny because I didn't know this until recently. Okay. Um, looking it up. But, you know, at the, the end of the movie... They, they mentioned that there are two boys who fit the description were arrested two days ago by Sheriff Tillman in Jasper County, Georgia. Okay. Uh, that is the actual name of the sheriff. They shot this movie in Jasper County, Georgia, and they threw him in the movie. Oh, I love that. Because he helped him out so much uh, getting things done and getting filming done that they threw a reference to him in. So that was the... That's so cool. I bet that was like, because he's probably not with us anymore, but I bet till his dying day, he was like, they talked about me in that movie. I mean, he might be around. Joe Pesci's still around. He even, is, even though he's ancient. He doesn't. He do, he doesn't do anything. You know, Joe Pesci came out with a a, a musical album. He did. I believe yes. it was opera. Yeah, I I, I re, I'm aware that this happened. I don't. I I can't claim to have ever listened to it. But. He's. I I googled like a snippet of it one time. He's fairly talented. I was impressed. He's just talented all the way around. He is just such a fantastic actor with such an amazing career. Well, you were talking about legal stuff, and that's really a thin. I was reaching. It's a reach. <laughs> it's whatever. It's what we do here. But um, I was reaching because Unsolved Mysteries is back, y'all. It's new on Netflix. That's right. Unsolved Mysteries. If you are a murderino, if you are into true crime, you know what I'm talking about because you know that they haven't made true new Unsolved Mysteries since like the late 80s, early 90s. They rebranded the show. In the early 2000s with Dennis Farina, but they were the same mysteries at, really? and the same reenactors. I didn't know as this. the earlier 80s, 90s version. So like just did a re-edit so, and put it yeah, back Yeah, they out. basically took out Robert Stack and put in Dennis Farina <laughs> and all of the stories were the same. And now there's new Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. And if you know, you know, if you like spent hours watching Unsolved Mysteries, like and and it was the best part of the show is it was all over the place because there'd be one story that would scare the bejesus out of you because it was like there's, you know, these dark lights or these bright lights that that hover over these train tracks in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. And then there's this one about this person who left for work one day and then just disappeared. They never made it for work. They never found the car. They never found the wallet. They never found a single clue. It's just a person who's disappeared. And then it's like a vignette about like this person who was like a good Samaritan when somebody had had a car accident and they helped him get to the hospital and they just want to find who this person is. And then they'll be at the end where like update and they found the person <laughs> and here's the tearful reunion. And it's like everything in between. I freaking love unsolved mysteries y'all. If you can't tell huh. and highly recommend the new unsolved mysteries on Netflix. I, uh, I sense a theme over there. You really like the, the mysteries. Get, I love mysteries. Get yourself some Angela Lansbury, some unsolved mysteries. And see, I like all kinds of mysteries. Even like in the previous episode, I was talking about like the silence of the lambs. I love mm. a suspense movie, but uh, it all started with like, I would say it probably all started with Murder, She Wrote, because I used to, uh, I would never say anything because my sister or or like one of my cousins would be like, quit showing off. But I would always figure it out before no. it was done. And so then it, like it, it grew into this thing of suspense movies of like, I bet I can figure it out. And some of them I can, some of them I can't. And then 
you have unsolved mysteries where like, I can't figure it out because I'm not there to do it myself, but tell me more. My wife always thinks that I'm good at solving mysteries because a lot of times I'll do that in those shows mm-hmm. or the movies. And uh, I've confessed, I said, the truth is, it's not that I'm good at solving mysteries. It's it, you're good at figuring out storytelling I'm, I'm good yep. at thinking like a writer. So Same thing. I, I'll know where they're going to go with it. I can, I can tell you in an episode of Murder, She Wrote, who did it by how much camera time they have. Because it's always the character that doesn't need that much camera time that keeps showing up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, they did it. No, there there are definitely definitely tropes that you yep. you can spot, and that's 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 what I was always doing as a kid, and they didn't know that. They'd be like, "Quit showing off, shut up." Nobody ever liked it, but I did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that I we watched years ago. We saw the movie Sixth Sense in theaters. Yep, and there was a point in the movie when I I figured it out, and I won't claim to have caught it really early on, but I I, I didn't it, catch it till the end. I I caught it quite a bit earlier, and I just kind of go, "Oh, he's dead." Okay, I get it, and uh, you know, spoiler alert. Um, yeah. So for a 20 year old movie. Yeah. So, you know, uh, my, my wife, she heard me say it, but didn't think much of it. Uh, she's pretty good at ignoring me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, at the end of the movie, when the reveal comes out, she literally turned over, looked at me, gave me this hateful look and slugged me in the shoulder. She's like, God damn it. <laughs> That's a great movie though. Six Sense. It really is. We should have been on our list. It should have been. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but it's a really good movie. You should watch it. Well, I've got something that is nothing like that. Okay, really, not even at all. Not, not, a not mis- even a little bit. Not a mystery. It's not dark. It's very fun. It's very light. And in my opinion, an amazing, fun movie to watch. From 1993, the movie Dave. Dave! Dave! I freaking... Sigourney Weaver and... Mm-hmm. and uh, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. I yep. freaking love that movie. I forgot it, it existed. It is fantastic. Uh, uh, Frank Langella, Ving Rhames, Charles Grodin, Ben Kingsley. I mean, it's an amazing cast. Yes! It's it's like um, that movie and uh, 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 American President are my precursors to my love of the show, The West Wing. Yeah, very much so. Uh, do you know who the director was? I don't. Ivan Reitman. What else has he directed? I know his name. Um, uh, Ghostbusters? Yes! <laughs> I'm bad with director names. Don't judge me. Don't look at me with a your judgy of, eyes. A lot of stuff. Uh, interestingly, so Jason Reitman. Yes. Is in the movie. Uh, he's cast as the son of Vice President Nance as he's being sworn in as president. You see Jason Reitman there, uh, which may come up because you know who you know wrote the new Star- Ghostbusters movie. Jason yes. Reitman. Yep. So uh, that may come back around. This is a fantastically fun movie. It's lighthearted. It's probably improbable. Yes. But at the same time, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Is it a watch. spoiler to tell them the premise? Because I can guarantee no. you we're like one of five people who have ever heard of this movie. Or well, two of five people. I mean, not really. I mean, because you know, the idea is that uh, the president, uh, he has a heart attack. He's sleeping with uh, some young he's, girl. He's yeah. doing something unpresidential. Or, or presidential, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. This came out before uh, all of that. Yeah. And so they, they hide it. They don't want to let anybody know. So they find a double a lookalike. Yeah. And the, the idea is that Kevin Klein, his character, Dave is uh, just a regular guy. Yeah. He, so he like literally, that's one of the things he does as a gig is, uh, as a double for at events as the president. So they presidential go, impersonator. Yeah. So they go and get him, bring him in. And they're like, we just need you to do a couple of things until the president comes out of his coma. And then it turns into go out and go longer than that. And like at some point in time, he comes up, he realizes that, hey, wait a minute, I've kind of got them by the cojones and I can do some stuff. And he turns out to be a much better president. He also kind of turns out to have a thing for the first lady. Yeah, which was funny because they do the whole, um, or like they sleep in separate bedrooms and she doesn't even realize it's a different one for the longest time. Until he checks her out. And yep. then she's like, who are you? He hasn't looked at my legs in 10 years. That's pretty much what happens. Yep. And uh, it's fantastic. I can't believe I forgot this movie existed. Like, Dave was one of my favorite movies. I've seen Dave probably a dozen times. It's it's so good. And like you said, it is one of those movies that we kind of all forgot about. But it's it's great. It's such a good movie. Check it out on Hulu. It's out there. I love that it's on. I'm going to have to text my sister later and be like, Dave's on Hulu. All right. Give me one more. What do you got there, Lulu? Come on. One more. Just one more. Okay. So... There are quintessential 80s movies, and then there are really obscure 80s movies, and then there's something that's in between, and there is this movie, I don't know what year it's from, I want to say like 84, I don't know, it's called Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and it stars a very young, very punk Helen Hunt, Yes. a very young, very brunette Sarah Jessica Parker, Mm -hmm. and a very young 
mildly still having her baby chubby face, Shannon Doherty. Mm-hmm. And it's just a girl's dance movie. So there's a girl who's an army brat who's moved around everywhere and she moves to, I think it's Chicago. I don't remember. And is she's new to the school and she's got the school uniform. She befriends Helen Hunt. There's a local dance TV show called, you guessed it, Dance TV. Yep. That everybody wants to get on. And Sarah Jessica Parker, of course, finds a boy. And there's this whole dance crescendo competition thing to get on the TV show. And Shannon Doherty's the bratty little sister. And, like, it is the worst best movie ever. It is the cheesiest, corniest. It has the worst dialogue. It has <laughs> the most amazing hair, the most amazing costumes, the most amazing 80s dancing. And you owe it to yourself if you are someone who loves the 80s, lived in the 80s, wants to reminisce about the 80s, or wants to experience the 80s for the first time, to watch this movie. All right, I've, I've got a guilty pleasure one, too. Then. Oh, it's if, on Hulu, BT-dubs. But tell me your guilty pleasure. If, if, everyone do a guilty pleasure one, because in many ways, this is a bad movie. This is, But I will watch the shit out of this movie every time that it's on. But if I tell you that there is a movie about college students who get into some hijinks that stars Tim Matheson oh, and Stephen God. First... What movie are you going to think I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't hate it as much as Richard <laughs> Animal House. But you'd be wrong. What? Did you know those two did another movie? What? As college kids who get into some hijinks. A what movie, movie is this? It's called Up the Creek from 1984. It's about an intercollegiate raft, ra- raft race. And <laughs> I've never even heard of this. A, it's about a group of students. They're from uh, La Petamine University. And they're hoping that they can put this a raft this race. crappy college on the map by winning this raft race that they this university has never had a chance of winning. It is 80s at its prime. But if it, Tim Matheson is in this movie in 1984, wasn't he like 37 in 84? Yeah, he wasn't that old, but he's a little older. A little long in the tooth to be in yep. college. He, he smokes a cigar throughout the entire thing. <laughs> it's a wonderful character. Bob McGraw is one of my favorites. Um, the, the Stephen first is, is Gonzer. It's it just, it is so, so campy and bad, but it's so much fun to watch. I actually quote the heck out of this movie and nobody catches it because they I don't know that. what, I, don't know what I'm saying. Uh, the dog in the movie is amazing. It's got a, they, they have a little dog mascot. That I love that there's a dog and it, the dog is super smart. He's very much the, uh, oh my God, Timmy's in the well. <laughs> They actually played up a lot because, like, the dog is smart, but the dog can't talk. So the dog, it's a dog. But the dog can, like, pantomime. So <laughs> it, it, they're, they're always trying to figure out what it is, but then the one guy is always saying it wrong. So, like, you know, the dog will, like, touch its nose, and they're like, okay, sounds like two words. And, like, he pulls out this piece of steak, and they're like, it's a steak. And they're like, no, it's a piece of liver. And they're like, oh, my God, they cut out his liver. And he's like, no, no, that's down. He's pulling the down out of the jacket. He's down liver. He's down river. And, you know... <laughs> So they're figuring out what the dog is trying to tell them because the dog is smart but can't talk. Oh my god! It it is just um it's it's pretty funny. It's pretty bad, but like I said, I'll go back. There's the ROTC group that like are always trying to blow them up. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I mean it's just it's got all of the tropes. It's got all of the things. But I will watch this over Animal House any day. And I know some people are going to hate me for that. I don't I don't just like Animal House. Animal House is classic. It's an iconic. But I've always found this one funnier. Okay, I'm going to take two seconds, y'all. I don't know what it's streaming on, but that just made me think you owe it to yourself if you have never seen Wet Hot American Summer on this summer Mm -hmm. where we're all stuck indoors. You find Wet Hot American Summer and you watch it and you laugh your ass off and you thank me later. It's one of those, um, like, I'm an old guy and I remember back in the old days. Uh, But I had that conversation with my kids. I'm old enough that, like, not everybody had air conditioning. Yeah. Central air was not common. That was, like, you were high class and had status if you were able to get central air in your house. Actually, the house I grew up in uh, was built in the 1800s. And we tried to put central air in it once, but it was way cost prohibitive because... You put all the ductwork and venting. Yeah, and there was nowhere to do it. Yeah, and plaster walls that just fall apart. When it was the lath walls that had the Mm -hmm. plaster over it, and like in several areas, we'd put the walls over. It was actually a great house because it had these wonderful intricate stained glass windows. Sounds beautiful. It had been built as a parsonage for a church. Ooh. Um, and then the church burnt down and the parsonage. <laughs> They're like, here, you can live in this. We don't need it. Very old Victorian house. Um, yeah. We had a lot of that from the area I grew up in, but yeah, it was, it was a cool place, but that's right. I'm confused by the segue of air conditioning in wet, hot American summer. 
Well, because, you know, that's the thing that back in the summers, then you would look for places to go cool off. Oh, duh. <laughs> we used to go to the, you know, like the, the public pool, like in Stranger Things, you know, they're always hanging yeah. out at the pool because that's what we did. Because when it's the summer and you didn't have air conditioning, it was hot in your house. you would go somewhere, you know, some people had like a swimming hole or, you know, places. Or you that, go in the movies. Yep. Yeah, go to the movies. These were things that you did, which is also how I saw a lot of these movies because you know, that's that's because movie theaters were open because there was no global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always funny because the, the theater in our town, uh, it's not a theater anymore. Well, I guess it kind of is, but it's not a movie theater it was right next to the city hall, which was where the fire station was, which my dad was a firefighter. Mm-hmm. But back then they still had what they called the fire whistles, this very loud siren that would still that would still go off. You could totally hear it in your movie, couldn't you? It would drown out the movie. They would <laughs> they would actually have to, like somebody go up there and pause and they'd have to like backtrack a minute because it would go off for several minutes. Even though by this point in time they all had pagers and it wasn't how you actually summoned the fire department anymore. It was just how it was done. But it's a classic as far as I know they still set it off. Um, <laughs> of course they do. It's just one of those traditions that never that never goes away. So I used to always uh, if it ever happened um, a lot of times when the movie got over, I'd go check and make sure if my dad's vehicle was over there because then I could just catch a ride. Catch home a ride home. Yep. Yes. Spent a, lot, spent a lot of time hanging out with the police dispatcher um, at the time because I would just go hang out with him and wait for them to come back. Your childhood and mine were so drastically different. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably very accurate, but eh, you know, what the heck? Well, we hope by this time next year that children's childhoods will get back to the old normal, and not the new normal. And we hope that we gave you some things to occupy your time with while we're all kind of stuck indoors. Yeah, hopefully there's some good recommendations. If you got any of your own, feel free to give us a shout out. Uh, you know, maybe we'll mention them on yeah. another episode. Um, you know, things that you've, you've thought of that you kind of forgot about. Some of these oldies but goodies. We'd love to hear from you, and we will catch you next time. I don't know if we'll catch you next time. What are they, Pokemon? We're not going to catch them. <laughs> got to catch them all. Got to watch them all. We'll watch it next time. All right. Bye.